This week as I was preparing and thinking about what I was going to talk about, don't go that way. I had some difficulty. Um, pastor asked me last Sunday uh, if I would speak, because he would be away today. They're in, they're in uh, Virginia visiting with Crystal. If you don't know Crystal there, she's their, um, she's their daughter, Pastor Victor and Pastor Gwen. Um, she's away. She uh, has basically signed herself off to the Army for a few years. She's studying to become a helicopter pilot, graduating first in her class, already getting promotions, doing really well, possibly the best um, decision she's ever made in her life. Um, so the whole family's there, Natalie, Brandon, hence uh, their absence today. But I struggled with what I was going to say today because uh, the Lord had already been impressing upon my heart something that I had been doing a little bit of research on. Um, and it's a, disturbing, it's a disturbing topic. In fact, so much so, uh, and I, I want to take a minute to thank uh, Sister Cynthia for leading, uh, leading prayer on Wednesday. Um, I was literally on my face in the back. Um, matter of fact, at some point they called me and I was just face down uh, asking the Lord for confirmation on this word today. And I'll just warn you because by the time I'm done with it, some of you may not like me. And, and I, I suppose to some extent I can live with that because I have some truth to bring to you today. Truth regarding the word of God. Truth regarding our status in the warfare between God and our enemy and his enemy, Satan himself. All right. Um, if you'll excuse me, my voice, I feel like it's already starting to go. I needed to just calm down when I was singing a little bit, but you know, you know how it goes. Somebody say the subtle serpent. The subtle serpent still at war with mankind. Let's say it one more time. The subtle serpent. You could actually even substitute that word subtle with sneaky. Slick. Um, shrewd. Right? You kind of think of, you know, swipe or no swiping. If you're familiar with Dora the Explorer, you know, that kind of like, ding, ding, you know, that, that hunched over sneakiness. I believe it's important to research from time to time to see what's going on in the world, in the world of Christianity, right? To see, you know, what, what good things and what bad things are coming out that are being passed off as quote-unquote Christian. Now, you know, sometimes, I'm going to try this again, sometimes you find stuff that is good. Sometimes you find that people are doing their research and they're studying, and forget this thing. Hallelujah. Sometimes you find that people have been reading their word They've been seeking the face of God, and God is giving them revelation. But sometimes 
you find what the Bible likes to call um, wolves in sheep clothing interjecting and, and inserting things into Christian doctrine that should not be. This is so much better. I was nervous up there. <laughs> this is much better. I can see you. All right, cool. I can smell you too. I smell the worst. I probably sweat three, sweat three times as much as the rest of you. Sometimes you find things that are concurrent with the word of God, things that line up with the word of God, but sometimes you find stuff that is just way out there. And if you've been saved for any length of time and you, you know, watch preachers on television, if you, you know, read the word of God, you buy books and you read books from people that are um, kingdom anointed, so to speak, you'll see that sometimes there are shifts, sometimes there are trends in Christianity. Um, and so I think it's important to take a look and see what's going on. The other day, I came across a YouTube video. Nobody here uses YouTube at all, right? Yeah, we're a bunch of YouTube fiends. The other day, I came across a video on YouTube. A pastor was having a discussion regarding some new Bible study uh, material that had come out um, a couple of years ago. And I got to admit to you, I was flabbergasted, shocked, and amazed at some of the stuff that I had found out had come out that um, was being promoted as Christian discipleship material. Right? Now, here's the part where you guys are going to start to hate me. One of those things was a Harry Potter Bible study. Can you believe it? Harry Potter Bible study. Enjoying God through the final four Harry Potter movies. Guess who wrote it? A gentleman by the name of Pastor Jared Moore. All right, so I don't feel so scared now. You guys are shocked. That's a good thing. Uh, another one was Glitter in the Sun. Glitter in the Sun, check this out. A Bible study searching for truth in the Twilight Saga. For real, son. Um, and that was by a successful small group leader by the name of Jane Wells. Small groups. Parables from Twilight. A Bible study by a lady named Diane Shanton. Um, another one, which I kind of thought the title was kind of funny, Walking with Frodo. <laughs> See, you just sold yourself out. Now I know you saw the movie. Frodo, Lord of the Rings, the little dude with hairy feet, the fictional fantasy character um, who lives in caves, hobbits, um, and it's from a book by a guy named Tolkien, who, who apparently was a Christian many, many years ago wrote fantasy novels. Um, was he also the one that did um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Different person? Okay. I thought it was the same person. Walking with Frodo. Just a little walk with Frodo. Tell him all about our troubles. He will make things right. Answer by and by. Is that stupid or what? Walking with Frodo. 
And then, and then the writer of this, uh, whose name was Sarah Arthur, yes, yeah, Sarah Arthur, came out with a secondary book called Walking with Bilbo. <laughs> Walking with Bilbo, sorry. And in the selection, you learn how to grow the hair on the top of your feet to extraordinary lengths. No, just joking. Just, just joking. Now, very interesting. When, when did God's word become not good enough? When did that happen? When did the church ever need the aid of witches and demons to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to disciple a born-again Christian? When did that happen? We find a story in the book of Acts where somebody... Well, I'll just read the story. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. Let's go to Acts 16. I'm going to read a little something that happened to Paul in his travels. Thank you, minister, for the, um, for the stand. So we're in Acts 16. I assure you, Harry Potter, I'm sorry, I assure you the Holy Spirit does not need Harry Potter's help. Trust me. I've been in this thing 20 years now. He don't need Harry Potter's help. If we're all in the book of Acts chapter 16, please say amen. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. But when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful to us to receive neither observe being Romans, and the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. The rest of the story goes that Paul and Silas wind up in the prison. They have a prayer meeting, and the gates you know, fall apart, and the guard says, what am I going to do? i got to kill myself. They're going to get me. But I said that story to say this. This young lady who was possessed with the spirit of divination, fortune-telling, seeing the future... She had masters, right? Another translation says that she was a slave girl. She had masters, and they would rent her out to tell people's futures. Uh, you, this kind of thing can be done with cards, reading stupid things like coffee, and all kinds of ways that this can be done. Bottom line is that she was possessed by a demon spirit. Now, she was following Paul. And she wasn't saying anything wrong. She was actually telling the truth. She was saying, 
Behold, these men are coming to bring you salvation. Listen to them because they got the real deal. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. And I believe that Paul would have cast the demon out of her, but I think he knew that he was going to get thrown in prison. So he, he waited as long as he could because it says that, you know, he was grieved. She was being a real royal pain in his tuchus. He did not need this demon-possessed woman's help to spread the gospel. Yea, I say, neither does the church of 2014 need the help of any demoniac, any witchcraft, any stories about any witches. We don't need their help. We have the Holy Spirit. We've got the genuine article, the real deal. We don't need Harry Potter's help. Check this out. There was one other one. Now you can, don't buy this stuff, please. But I actually went on to Amazon to find this. And there were reviews, believe it or not, by Christian parents who had little children who said, you know, there's nothing wrong with watching Harry Potter as long as you sit there and you watch it with your children. And they said that it was so great because, you know, the, the Bible study uses the stories to show um, the conflict that a young person goes through and they're growing up and this and that. Read your Bible, dude. All of that is in there. We don't need that to persuade our children. We don't need that stuff to train our children in righteousness. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. There was another Harry Potter book called The Gospel According to Harry Potter. Holy moly. The caption beneath read like this, in this inspiring consideration of the spiritual themes in the popular Harry Potter series, well-known Christian author and Harry Potter fan Connie Neal explores the world of magic and mystery created by J.K. Rowling, who, by, by the way, is a, a professed witch. The woman is a witch, if you, in case you didn't know this. Deeply involved in the occult. Um... Man, I lost my place. Little words. Alongside the stories and grand themes of the Bible, contrary to those who reject the series as a threat to the Christian faith, Neil demonstrates how the lessons in Harry Potter not only echo many of the stories in the Bible, but reinforce the central messages of Christianity. Whew. What is going on? Connie Neal, by the way, is a former youth pastor uh, and a speaker for something called the Women of Faith. It's probably some organization that she's a part of. I've never heard of it. Now, let me ask you something. What would Paul do? What, Paul the Apostle, what, would he, what do you think he would say if we said, Paul, listen, we're going to use witchcraft to train people about righteousness. He would cast a demon right out of you. Because that's a doctrine of a devil. Straight up. Matthew 7. Beware of false prophets. Sorry, this is Matthew 7, verse 15. Matthew 7, verse 15. It says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, and, and if you go down to verse 21 in the same chapter, 
Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess to them, Jesus speaking, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But Lord, I made a connection between Harry Potter and your gospel and used it to train people in the gospel. What does God have to say about witchcraft? Deuteronomy. Oh, I didn't put the chapter. I think it's 18. Deuteronomy 18.10. Let's make sure I'm right. Deuteronomy 18.10. Should read as follows. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. They're an abomination. Somebody say an abomination. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee. A different translation says it this way. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens and gauges in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. The word abomination defined says a thing that causes disgust or hatred. Now you got to kind of use common sense. If God sees witchcraft as an abomination, which causes him to hate and be disgustified, right? So if you can envision God kind of vomiting in his mouth for a second, what should I have to do with that? Should I use witchcraft, even if I'm not practicing it, in any way, shape, or form? Should I stay as far away from it as humanly possible? To make sure that my walk and my actions and my deeds are pleasing with God. Should I be using a Harry Potter Bible study to train people? Okay, good. Cool. You guys don't hate me yet. This is great. That subtle serpent, the devil, is waging war against us. Remember I said the subtle serpent is waging war? The gospel is being compromised and it is widely being accepted into Christian culture. Why? By the way, on the back of all of these books, there were known authors and Christian pastors and bishops that commended these people for writing them, saying how awesome they are as such a ministry tool. It leads you to believe that they're being accepted into Christianity. Why is this happening? What is going on? Are they reading a different Bible than I'm reading? Matter of fact, this stuff you can get in any translation that you read. That it's bad. Circle. Cross. Ghostbuster sign. No good. Muy malo. 
Genesis 3 says, give you a second to turn there if you don't have it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So we find this satanic, possessed serpent in the garden at the beginning. Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm sure that most of us know the story. If you don't, God created the garden, gave Adam, I'm sorry, created Adam, put him in the garden, said, this is all yours. Name it, take charge over it. You now have dominion. Created Eve to be his helpmate. Said, all of this is yours except for this one tree, this tree of knowledge. Don't eat that fruit. The serpent allows himself to be possessed by Satan. And Satan says to the woman, did God really tell you that? I mean, God, you know, he doesn't really exactly speak in such a way that it's so easy to understand, lady. You know, you sure you got, you sure you got that right? You sure it's completely clear to you? Because I, I, I'm thinking maybe he just doesn't want you to be like him. Paraphrasing, of course. What the serpent tells her is, listen, you're not going to die. God is worried that if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like him. You're going to be as gods. Oh. Really? Sucker. And we all paid the price. <laughs> what if I told you that Satan, that the serpent, is still doing the same thing, waging the same war? Mr. Slickster, still sneaking in stuff on us to the extent that we don't even realize it. I mean, the Harry Potter stuff, that's obvious. That's blatant. That's like, beep, boom, beep, boom. red flags everywhere. No good. Bad news. Harry Potter, not good. We were in the car the other day. I was telling Belinda about, you know, what I was researching. And my daughter's in the back seat. And she says, Daddy, I don't curse. But if I did, those are the kinds of words I would use to describe Harry Potter. And we don't have a lot of discussion around that kind of thing, but she knows what it is, and she knows it's bad. I think, I honestly don't remember it, but we must have had a conversation about it. Um, and my daughter's wicked smart, man. She's really, she remembers everything. Better memory than me. So even little kids get it at eight years old. Six years old. My son is six. That stuff is obvious. What if I told you the devil has been pulling a fast one on you for a while now and you didn't even realize? No, no, no. Don't, re don't respond. Don't nod your head. Don't smile. Just think about that for a second. Brother, what you talking about, son? What do you mean? How has the devil been pulling a fast one on me? 
I come to church on Sundays. I read my Bible. I pray. I pay my tithes. I'm generally a nice person. I think I fulfill everything that God has, you know, commanded me to do. I think I got a handle on this thing. I've been in the Lord 5, 10, 15, 25 years. Would you believe it? Let's test something out. That's why I needed a second mic. Take that, sir. You're going to help me out. I'm going to have you read some stuff for me. At the moment, I'm going to, pray, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Right? That sounds really bad, but hear me first. I'm going to play a little game. If I'm the devil, what are the things in your life as a Christian that I want to make stop? There's no truth. What kinds of things make us unstoppable in the spirit realm? Wait, too many things at the same time. You. It wouldn't be fair. She's right. Raise your hand. Yeah. Brenda. Reading your word. Okay. What else, sir? Prayer. What else? Jaleel. Say it again. Faith. Okay. Now, I already picked you, Brenda. Come on. Give me another one. Sis? Fellowship. Dennis? Meditation in the word. Uh... Oh, sister, I'm sorry. I'm stuck. Fasting. That's a good one. I like, give me one more. Worship. Amen. I want to cut all that off. Satan wants to stop all of that in your life. How does he do it? If you know the truth, you have a chance, right? If you read it, you can say, okay, I got it. I'm going to do this because God's word says to do it. What if I say that somehow, someway, God's word had been corrupted? No! Brother Tony, now, you, now you're getting crazy. What are you talking about? Say it ain't so. Now, I'm trying to be a little bit silly. It's a very serious thing. I'm going to point out something to you. Give me one second. Brother, turn to Matthew chapter 17. I want you to read 17. I'm sorry, I want you to read 20 and 21. Oh, the fan is killing him. How many here have a Bible? Open it up. 
want everybody to see this. Don't worry, it's not like a parlor trick or anything. Matthew 17. You got it, Minister Lou? Okay, give me a second to turn to it. He He replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in, in Galilee, he said to them, Yeah, he jumped over 21, but this, this 17, 20, and 21. Okay, this, as much as much, you, you can say, no, nah, this. There is, there is no 21 in this one. You see 21 here? How could that be? There's no 21. Wait, hold on, hold on. Let's see what 21 says. Let's see what 21 says. Hold on. Um, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from there, there here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. 21 says... However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Are you messing with me? Minister Lou, don't mess with me. Let me see that. Because this is my Bible right here. It should be here. 17. You know what? He's right. 21 is gone. It jumps from 20 to 22. What's the difference? This is the New International Version. The other one is the New King James. King James also has it. You can see it clearly up there. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, something happened. Something went wrong. How did that happen? Now, I'm not like Chris Angel or anything. I didn't like and suck it out of there. There's been a systematic change of the word. There have been a number of scriptures that have been pulled out. In the 60s, there was a a committee put together to discuss how they can take the King James Version and quote-unquote make it simpler to the average man to read. Now this is just one scripture. From the King James to the New International Version, please check your sources and research it yourself. In fact, my notes are going to be online for you guys to download if you want. It's going to be a PDF. All of the resource, uh, all of the, um, resource links will be there. 65,000 words were removed. I didn't say 65. I didn't say 650. I didn't say 6,500. 6, and there are numerous sources that say the same number. 65,000 words plucked out. 
please take upon you the Berean spirit, go home and research it yourself. So this is kind of like the infomercial for Ginsu knives. But wait, there's more. Now I'm just going to show you a few. You know what's really interesting about Matthew 17:21? It references Is this mine or yours? Okay. Got a picture of eyes on it. Um the reference in the NIV takes you to Mark 9.29, which says there's something similar in the book of Mark. 9.29, and you don't have to go there. If you want to, please do. The same type of passage describing the same event excludes the word... What does it exclude? Mark 9.29? Mm-hmm. Excludes the word fasting. Gone. Now, if I'm the devil, what do I want you to stop doing? The subtle serpent is still at war with us. And he has managed to subvert our word of God. He's managed to get into it and pluck out certain things. There were three changes. 68 was the original NIV. 84 was the secondary NIV. And this last one took place in 2011 where the most noticeable changes were the attempts to androgenize God and to make him neither female or male. Read it yourself. You'll find it in the beginning of the book. If you have a 2011 version, you can go and you'll find where scriptures have been changed that feminize the word he. Sorry. Corinthians 6.5, the word fasting, where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. This is what I've been going through. I've been taking beatings. I've been traveling. I've been suffering for you. And fastings, I have proven to you that I am the real deal. The NIV literally takes the word out. Denies that Paul wrote the word fasting. 2 Corinthians 11.27, the word fastings, again, the Apostle Paul talking, omitted, taken out. Acts 10.30, Cornelius said he was fasting and praying. The NIV takes out the word fasting. It just says he was praying. Look it up yourself. If you have a copy of the NIV, look it up. Now, Again, this is 1 Peter 2.22. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The NIV says like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. What did it take out? Word. You mean you can grow on a different type of milk other than the word of God? Isn't that contrary to the apostles' doctrine? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's what's most disturbing to me. And this one is a kicker. This is one I, w- I found out a while ago. And actually, I have to apologize to some people because there was a song a couple of years ago that I thought had this word lyric in it. And when I went back, I realized that they got it right in the song. 
You know those people that they never know the words to songs? <laughs> you know? Like a song would come on and they'd be like, I've been in the morning, and uh, That's me. I suck at memorizing lyrics. I really do. So I had been hearing the song wrong and we were like in bells and I said, by the way, did you know that? And I said that they got this lyric wrong. So I publicly admit I was wrong. Isaiah 14.12. Turn to Isaiah 14.12, Minister Lou. Uh, the bad one. Find the bad one. Los malos. Now I'm going somewhere with this. Don't think that I'm just like leaving you, kind of dropping you off of a cliff. Because I know I just destroyed somebody's world this morning. There's still hope. Isaiah 14, 12. Hold on. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the, the nations. Okay. Morning star. Morning star. Did you hear that? Yeah, you know what that is. Morning star. Whose title is that? Oh, no, that's Jesus's. The original says, how art you fallen? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Not the morning star. Jesus in Revelation, I think it's 20, says, I am the bright and morning star. So let's think about this for a second. Who exactly does this benefit? To what end? What's the agenda? Deception, Absolutely. But for whom and for when? Thank you. Us in the end times. If you're not familiar with that phrase, end times, we're describing the prophecies in the book of Daniel, in the book of Revelation, Ezekiel, that talk about the returning of the Lord Jesus, the Antichrist, the one world government, the one world religion, the one world economy. Uh, a, a phrase that has been used recently in the last hundred plus years has been new world order. Is another phrase that we hear. By the way, they actually took a scripture and changed the word so that it would say the new order, the time of the new order in another passage. I don't know where it's at right now. If you want, I'll find it and I'll put it up on our website. Who benefits from giving Lucifer Jesus' title? Those who are pushing for a one world religion. Wait, Tone, come on. Isn't it a good thing that everybody should agree and be tolerant of one another's religion and kind of just be together and just accept everybody's stuff? It's, it's pr promoting the ecumenical move. And who's that from? The devil. The devil. The biggest tools that he's using to push that um, agenda 
And my apologies, but if you just study a little bit, you'll find that it's true. I know that there may be some people here that still have ties to their Roman Catholic beliefs and foundations. But the truth is, is that the Roman Catholic Church is pushing the ecumenical movement where all of the world religions come together as one. Um, first, the devil. It's his agenda. The Roman Catholic Church and the United Nations. Major powers in the world. Major political powers. And they are creating an environment where an ecumenical movement and a combining of the churches is going to be acceptable by everybody. So what does that mean for this? If you water this down so that it's not so exclusive, if you, if you mellow out and steal even the deity of Jesus, the fact that he was God manifested in the flesh, if you can make Christians powerless by causing them to never read that there's actual power in fasting and prayer, that scripture that we talked about with the prayer and fasting, um, some disciples tried to cast out a demon and uh, there was an issue. But you get down to the bottom and there's no resolve offered. Right? The resolve that he gave was this comes out by prayer and fasting. If you take that out, there's no resolve. It leaves us powerless. Come on. You're not hearing me. We are in the middle of a war. And the agenda of the enemy is to kill us, to steal us away from Jesus Christ, and to cause us to spend eternity in a flaming hell that was designed originally for him and his fallen angels. That is his agenda. And somehow... He has snuck a deception inside of our, our manual, our guidebook, the very word of God, and we've not even realized it. Why are we not paying attention? Why did I only find out about this within this last year? I told you earlier, I'm in the Lord going on 20 years now. How did I not know for 20 years? The NIV has been around for, since 68. The subtle serpent. Not major changes. Little changes here and there. And consistently changing. I told you the first was 68. The second was 84. And the third one was now in 2011. Why did I tell you this? There is an agenda i got another interesting fact to tell you. The NIV is now the largest, most popular selling Bible in the world. It outsells King James Version more than three to one, if I'm not mistaken. The most popular selling Bible in all the world. Everybody's buying this thing. Hmm. Harry Potter all over again. She said that they also corner the market for children's Bibles. Say again? 
That's right. The Message Bible also admits. I don't want to get caught up in that. What I do want to talk about real quick is now there are other issues with changing words that were simple enough for people to understand, but they were replaced with extra words or words that were even more complex. There's a study, I forgot the name of the, I have it here, but I have so many notes and I want to hurry up because I know I'm running low on time. Give me 10 seconds. Some facts about the NIV. Some new versions boast about the substitutions of the word you for the archaic ye and thee. Most people say, I don't read the King James because of the words thee and thou, right? But check this out. This sends a false message to the readers as the King James uses the word you about 2,000 times. What your friend fails to realize, and now this was actually a pastor named um, Max D. Younts from the Heritage Baptist Bible Church, and he was answering uh, a blog, somebody's question. Um, It was titled, Is the NIV Easier to Understand Than the King James? What you fail to realize is that the King James uses only ye and thee as needed to distinguish between the Greek singular and plural. That's all it's doing. So all it's really doing is doing this. You and you. Same exact word, only there's no visual. So how do you understand what the intention was? That's, that's what it's doing with the words thee and thou, specifically for the Greek language. All we got to do is learn the English language and we'll understand, right? Um, the largest selling so-called Bible today in the NIV, uh, what the preface of the NIV does not disclose to its readers is that they have omitted approximately 64,000 words from the majority text, also referenced by Rippling or somebody I was also studying. If you look in Genesis 6-4, the King James translate, translate the Hebrew word Nephilim is giants. The NIV just puts the Hebrew word in and doesn't even translate it. So unless you know Hebrew, you have no idea what the meaning of the word is. Right? In Ephesians 4.16, the NIV, they change the word supporting ligaments for joint. Wait, so NIV says supporting ligaments and the King James says joint. If you're talking about a joint, why not just say joint? Why did that happen? There's an agenda. Somebody say copyright. Did you know that the NIV is copyrighted? The word of God is copyrighted? Yes. The NIV has a copyright on it. Situations like this where they've taken one-syllable words and turn them into three or four syllables or an idea that used more than two words was for the purpose of being able to copyright the material. So that if you use 200 or more words from the NIV in some kind of a presentation where you're referencing the NIV, you have to get permission from Sondervan. Did you know that? Well, who's Zondervan? 
Zondervan is a Christian publication company um, that actually was bought out in 1988. Who bought Zondervan? At about the same time, Thomas Nelson Publishing was bought up by the same company. The only other big competitor, competitor for Zondervan. You know who owns it now? A company called News Corp. Doesn't ring any bells? News Corp also owns Fox News. Fox Movies, the 20th, 20th and 21st Century Fox. Owned by a gentleman by the name of Rupert Murdoch. He owns all of this now. Rupert Murdoch has cornered more than 50% of the Christian publication market. You don't believe me? Look it up. Now wait till I tell you a little bit about Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch owns a company called HarperCollins also, who's also a publishing company. And they're the, they're the part that owns um, Thomas Nelson. So now, the interesting thing is, I remember back in the day when I was a Satanist and I was reading the Satanic Bible, I had one and it was a copy made by the Avon Publishing Company. What? Avon? Don't be talking about my lipstick company. That's my eyeshadow right there, boo. Don't do it. Avon actually was the publisher and sold the Satanic Bible by Anton saint Olive. Avon was bought up by HarperCollins. The same guy that owns the copyright to the Satanic Bible owns the copyright to the New International Version Bible. If you don't believe me, look it up. Please, I beg you, please look it up. I'm telling you. If you do a little research, you'll find it very easily. Rupert Murdoch, swell lad, an Australian, native Australian, moved to Britain. Um, he decided he wanted to get into the, the news game. There was a, a famous paper called The Sun, and uh, they were starting to flail. They were, they were tanking, and they were ready to sell. Rupert Murdoch, a very shrewd businessman, decided this was his opportunity to make it into the big leagues. He bought The Sun, and he turned it into a disgusting tabloid. Huge thing. The, the, the shop was unionized. They had a huge thing where, they, where they, um, they did a strike. He fired every single one of them. I think, I think it was in the early 80s. Was it the early 80s? Fired everybody. Nice guy, right? He turned the sun into a sleazy tabloid that focused on people's relationships and things that were really tragic in people's lives. And he started making money. Here's the kicker. So he thought it would sell more papers if he put a centerfold of a picture of a woman with breastuses in the middle of the paper. Come on, you guys don't believe me? You guys are looking at me like, dude, you're crazy. I'm telling you the truth. He turned the sun into a tabloid and then started using pornography in the paper. 
And with that business, he made an empire. This is the guy that owns the NIV. If you want to write, if you want to put 200 words or more into a, pub, into a Bible study or a publication that you're designing, you've got to get permission from this guy. Rupert Murdoch. In 2006, he decided to expand his empire by um, making an offer to hotels all across the country to, have, to insert his pornographic channels um, in, their, in their media content in their hotel rooms to make it available, to make more money, to expand his company. Interestingly enough, in 2006, he, uh, he was actually, at the same time he was doing this, he was a born-again Christian, attending Rick Warren's church, no less. You know who that guy is, right? Purpose-driven life? How fast would Pastor Victor kick me out if I tried to do something like that? I would kick myself out. Dude, correct this or you got to go. We'll leave it there. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. To be aware is to be alive. Knowledge is power. The prophet said, my people, they perish for a lack of knowledge. Now, I haven't said all this to say, take your NIVs and toss them into the fire. That's not what I'm telling you. And I would expect to be slapped around if I said that. Most likely by this man. <laughs> what I'm saying is, be careful. Study to show thyself approved, a workman that doesn't have to be ashamed because you don't know something. Amen? Get a parallel Bible. I get it. The, the, study, the educational study said that the King James reads at a, at a fifth grade level and the NIV reads at an eighth grade level. I don't know that I necessarily subscribe to that. I would say they're pro probably both, as an educator speaking, I would say they're probably both at about eighth grade. Right? And that's being honest. Get a parallel Bible. Get, an, get a King James and read them side by side. Find what's missing. Make a notation and write in what's missing. If you can't afford another Bible, there's a fantastic resource called BibleGateway.com. BibleGateway.com. It allows you to pull up several versions side by side. You can pull, up and pull in, I think, up to four different versions side by side. Excellent. We have to be paying attention. Part of the end time prophecy talks about something called the great apostasy. Has anybody here ever heard of that term? The great apostasy. La apostasia. Is that right? Cool. I'm actually Hispanic. In this time of the apostasy, uh, in, the, in the apostasy, Paul is talking to Timothy about what's going to take place in the end times and how the Antichrist is going to rise up. And there's going to be a huge deception. The Bible calls it a falling away. When he's describing a falling away, 
He's talking about the children of God falling out of God's favor, falling out of God's graces. Why? Could it be that they're going to be caught whoring themselves with other religions, with other gods, denying that God himself is the one and only God, that Jesus Christ is his son, and that Jesus Christ is God himself then robed in the flesh? Could be. Could be. Beware of things and people and even organizations that talks about merging religions. Be careful. Pay attention. Think about who's running that agenda. Think about it. Don't just accept it. Don't just say, oh, it's great. You know, I want you to feel comfortable around me. So yeah, you know, praise Allah. No, absolutely not. Scripture tells us that there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. That name is Jesus. And his pastor would say, punto y coma. And there is no other church. Some would lead us to believe that there are many different churches. The one church is the church that Jesus described. The ecclesia. Those who are bought with the price of Jesus' blood. Now they can be Baptist, they can be Methodist, they can be Pentecostal, they can be uh, non-denominational, like us. But we're talking about the bride of Christ. Everything else is a falsehood. Everything else is a fake. The devil is good at that. Amen? We have the Christ, he has the Antichrist. He will always have a mirror image of something that looks sort of like it, but it's not. And unless you are living in a state where you can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you're not going to see it. Unless you are reading God's word, you're not going to notice where something was wrong or missed. 